We want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, media, and technology. And today, we are chatting with Rob Richardson, founder at Disrupt Art. Rob, what's going on, my man? How are you? Hey, what's up, brother? Living the dream. About to sell. Same, same. We were just talking before we got started, man. This Monday is flying by pretty fast, but I guess that's what happens when you're doing what you love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Time flies. Yeah. Speaking of doing what you love, would love to hear more about Disrupt Art. So if you wouldn't mind taking a few minutes and telling our audience all about the company that you founded. So Disrupt Art is really founded as a vehicle and a method to help disrupt media and really art. So I would say Black and Brown folks create a whole lot of value in the space when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to art, when it comes to music. But in terms of what they actually get back in terms of real equity and ownership, it's still very little given all the value that's created. So if you look at how much we spend in the United States, and this was a quote from a couple of years ago, if you look at entertainment and arts and culture, we spend close to a trillion dollars. And those type of numbers are just kind of hard to put your whole head around. Absolutely. Right? And when you think about what's really moving culture, it's Black and Brown people. It's especially a whole lot of Black folks, right? When you talk about hip hop and culture... Those are things that we have really invented and created where someone said, you know, 30 years ago, that's not valuable art. We don't even think that should be played on the radio. Now we go from a time that this is now influencing what type of shoes people wear. It's now influencing the products people will buy. And all that now, we're not seeing enough equity. We still haven't seen enough equity. We see the Jay-Z's of the world. We see the Snoop Dogs of the world. We see the few that are the exception to this rule and, and are showing the model for what is possible. But overall, it's still a very exploitive industry. The record labels, if you're an artist signing with galleries, often they take so much. Now we're seeing a new opportunity that's going to provide more ownership and opportunities for creators, for musicians, for fashion brands, for film directors. But we have to be in it specifically as Black people in this industry in order to make sure we are shaping it. Because this is now when things are being built right now. So I say all that to say that I've spent my entire career fighting for access and opportunities and making sure that we have a more inclusive society. I ran for public office. I was in education before that. I I became the youngest chairman in the history of the University of Cincinnati. And before I started this, I thought my whole career would be focused on that lane in terms of how do I get into public service and really help shape things, help disrupt the power systems and others that aren't necessarily being as inclusive as they should be. There's a long story to that, but long story bearable, I am here now in this space of innovation. And I believe specifically within Web3, which is a fancy term for saying a new way of the internet using blockchain technology, I believe is the future and is the opportunity for more ownership and specifically for media. So we're building disrupt art to not just we're not competing with OpenSea. We see ourselves as being competitive with Netflix, right? And really creating new content, new opportunity. But the creators will get a chance to vastly own most of what they create. We would just be a distribution channel and platform to give them more power and more opportunity. Gotcha, gotcha. Love that. And definitely want to dig into that a bit more. But let's take it back, Rob. Let's go back to the early days. Give the audience a sense of where you're from. Where did you grow up? So I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Been here all my life, though I travel and went to school at the University of Cincinnati and really kind of got my passion for what I do now is actually started off more in public interest and policy. Before we went live here, we talked about two years ago, all the commitments that were made by all these companies. And a lot of that happened after George Floyd was murdered. 
and everything that happened in Minnesota. Cincinnati was Minnesota before Minnesota. So we had 14 in custody deaths of black men. This was like in the late nineties. This is the time I was graduating and headed on my way to the university of Cincinnati. And in the midst of that, I got really involved and started the first college chapter of the NAACP. We became active in really challenging the Cincinnati police department to improve protesting, doing all those things. And then 2001 was the kind of the spark culminating event that was just like everything that happened in Minnesota. Like we had, we had an officer kill a 19 year old murder, a 19 year old mm-hmm. black man named Timothy Thomas. And his reasoning was he was wanted for 19 counts. They were traffic tickets. So this man got wow. shot unarmed for having traffic tickets. Wow. And that literally, literally shut the shut city down. There were protests that turned to demonstrations, some of which turned to riots, so on and so forth. And CNN came in and I was already involved in that. So I was doing what I was already doing, but it really kind of took on a more national presence at that time. And then I became student body president. And I say all this to say that all of this really sparked my interest because I thought, okay, this is this is my passion. Figure out a way to get into the public space, mm. you know, shape the narrative and shape opinions and then move and make change. But for all types of reasons, that didn't come to fruition. Now I'm doing the same thing, which I think is still my calling in the space of innovation. So, Rob, but going back to, again, talking about when you were in school and running for student body president and being an activist and being involved, where did that spark come from? Did that come from your parents? Did that come from friends growing up, the family members? Where did that initial sort of, I need to be more involved instead of just, you know, standing on the sidelines? Well, it certainly was sparked by my parents. So yeah. my, my, my father was very involved in both in the labor movement as well as the civil rights movement. My mother was very much an activist too. So you couldn't come to my house and, and not vote and not understand what was going on. So, mm. but it really hit me in college when I saw what was going on. And it just really, the, the kind of the, the moment kind of hit me when I saw all the injustice that was going on and I wanted to do, and I had to figure out what can I do to help improve this? My father was a little worried when he started the college chapter because I was also, my undergrad was electrical engineering. I, I started that my freshman year. He said, well, I don't know if you should be doing anything else except for focusing on your studies. I said, I, I, I can do both. And so I did. <laughs> and so I did. That sparked my interest in really wanting to figure out how, what can I do to help improve things? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And now let's bring it back to today because I definitely want to talk more about Disrupt Art. I want to talk about Web3. Let's start here, if you don't mind, for the listeners out there that maybe haven't done their research on Web3 or or new to things like Web3 or NFTs, so on and so forth. Break it down for folks. Yeah. Well, I enjoy doing this. So when you first start on this, I say, people, you got to understand what blockchain is. And I try not to make this overly complicated. Blockchain is nothing more than a big ledger that no one can hack. So I tell people it's Google Docs because you can have access to it and everybody else can without Google. Instead of Google, it's a whole bunch of different computers that are making sure that no one is compromising the data. And I tell people that's all you need to know. It's an easy way for people to share information in a way that couldn't be done before. When we talk about it, I don't really think people need to know unless they really want to know the technicalities because people really don't know how email works. People don't understand right. the technology behind email. They understand, right. <laughs> right? They understand that you get information from here and it goes there and that's all they need to know. So some people with blockchain, it helps you keep database in a way that no one controls it. And that's all you really need to know. And from that, lots of technology has been able to be created. Mm-hmm. What is an NFT? So NFT are two things. They are first a digital fingerprint. Just like you and I have different fingerprints, we can't exchange fingerprints. It doesn't work that way, right? So the concept is kind of like 
a domain is a digital fingerprint in a way. It just doesn't have a blockchain connected to it. So it's one way in, one way out. It's a digital fingerprint. The second part that's really powerful and what makes it very powerful is the smart contract. And the smart contract just allows you to do different commands. And so the best example is what most people know is if you have a trading card, you and I trade Michael Jordan's rookie card, right? Mm -hmm. That's provided value. Why? Because somebody authenticates it and say, this is Michael Jordan's original card. And so that's how you know it's authenticated. We don't need that to be done anymore. Now we have the blockchain technology with NFTs, that digital fingerprint. This is the original one. And Michael Jordan, you can see in the blockchain that he is the one that authenticated it. Period. That's all you need. Now, beyond that, if you and I were to exchange that card and I give it to you and you're like, oh, this is a dope card. Now I can take this card and I'm going to sell it for $100,000, though. I only paid $10,000 for that. How much money would I get out of that normally? Zero. 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 Because I don't enjoy any secondary sale rights. But now with smart contracts, we can just say, okay, I now... Which is a digital moment of Michael yeah. Jordan's first dunk from the free throw line. And this is only, he's only given out a hundred of these. Now, when you sell that, if it's Michael Jordan or whoever the original creator, I get 10% because the smart contract says I get 10% every gotcha. single time that happens. Time so, it gets sold. Right. Yeah. So it's creating a new economy for creators. But beyond creators, it's also organizations. Let me give a quick point, a quick example. So I'm from Cincinnati. Yeah. I said earlier. And we went to the Super Bowl this year, so we were celebrating, brother. It's been a long, long time, <laughs> right? So that y'all, was it. Y'all, y'all, y'all gave the kids off from school the next yeah. day and everything. <laughs> everything, man. You don't understand. It was a national holiday, right, for us. But what a lot of people don't know is that this ticket for the Super Bowl was made an NFT. Yep. Why would they make it an NFT? Well, let's see. What normally happens during the Super Bowl, what's happened during every Super Bowl, Scalpers come in, they buy the ticket, and then they go sell it for 10 times the price. The NFL saw no residual benefits. They didn't get any of that secondary sale, as we said earlier. Mm. Guess what? You change it to an NFT. Wow. Go ahead. go ahead. Scalpers do that. Every single time it's done, they get money that goes right back to them. So Wow. Wow. It's going to well, change all of commerce and not just art. It's much bigger play than that. Yep. Yep. And to that point, I mean, this, this may be an obvious question to answer, but to your point earlier about Black people spending money and not really sort of capitalizing or or being in a position to capitalize off of the culture, right? Talk a little bit about why it's important for Black and Brown people to be involved in things like NFT and and even new technologies that are coming in the future as well. Right. So what you're now seeing and now is a whole new economy being built. And there's opportunity for those who are building this space that won't necessarily exist three to five years from now. Let's give concrete examples because a lot of us, I don't know the the demographics of your listeners, but if they're at least our age, they've seen the evolution of the internet a couple of times over. They've heard these arguments. So I can't remember if it was Thomas Friedman. It was some Nobel Peace Prize, no, not Peace Prize, Nobel Economic Prize winning economist who said this about the internet in 1998. He said, the internet's not going to have any more effect on the economy than the fax machine. That's what he said, right? Mm. So, mm. right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's mm. going to eat those words, right? <laughs> right? Easy. Already has. <laughs> he already has, already has, right? And then so when you see what's happened with the evolution of the internet, the first was it's a dot-com. And that's the era he was speaking towards because there was a, like there's always, there's always cycles. There was a bus. He's like, oh, well, apparently none of this stuff's going to work out. The internet's not going to be a big thing. So on and so forth. There was a clip with 
David Letterman and Bill Gates. Letterman is like asking, what is this internet thing? And Bill Gates gives a few examples. He said, it's all types of things. People are are having whole conversations and somebody put a whole baseball game and commentated it on the internet. And then Letterman's like, have you heard of radio? <laughs> He's like, like, why do we need this? And so people come from that frame in mind. And yeah, they were yeah. wrong about .com. And let's talk about Web 2.0. I remember the conversation being, no one's ever going to replace their newspaper. They're always going to want that physical newspaper. No one's going to believe these individual social media people. Everyone's going to want to just rely on the three to five media companies that they trust and believe. Nobody relies on those people anymore. Nope. It's totally disrupted media. And so remember these conversations. And remember, had you started this podcast in 2009 when YouTube was first started? You probably have millions of subscribers. Why? Right. They want to incentivize people building onto their platform. So the people that did it early, the Gary V's, those other in the world, you can see what's happened with them. They made new empires, new opportunities. Web3 is going to be all that times a thousand, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking about you know, not only creators now being able to own and keep more of their data and create these new economies in ways that multiply in ways we haven't seen before, but we're also talking about finance. This is the intersection of finance, art, yeah. And culture, like we haven't seen maybe since like the 1400s. Like we've Mm. never seen anything like this. And we haven't seen anything like it where there's this global economic conversion of all these things. So if you you talk about finance, and I'm not going to go too far down the rabbit hole, but listeners can look up DeFi, decentralized finance, and you will see people that are literally creating their own economies, creating their own coins and driving value and becoming multi-millionaires just because they entered the space. They're figuring out ways to invest and use their dollars to invest in this space. We can't afford not to be involved in this space. Now, there are real things you need to be educated on. There are real cybersecurity things you should understand. But at the end of the day, we can't not understand it. This is where the opportunity is. This is why Facebook is spending $10 billion a month on Web3. People understand where this is going. And the people that are telling you not to go here, the people that are telling you that NFTs are all a fraud, they either don't know the area or they're trying to keep you out of the area until they dominate the area to bring it in the way they want to so they can make sure that they make all the money and you don't. So this is the opportunity. This is the time to build. And if we want to have a better way to close the income gap, there's this is not a panacea, but this is a big tool that will provide opportunities to build wealth and build communities in a way that's never been possible. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And if anyone is listening, right, and and again, they are sort of new to this, right, Rob, where can they go to get educated on NFTs and other things that are going on, Web3, so on and so forth? Give us some resources they can use. Well, they can obviously go on our platform. Absolutely. We have a YouTube channel where we go over the basics of, you know, the terminology you need to understand this, what an NFT is, what a smart contract is. And these things are, you don't have to be an expert in this. You don't have to be super technical. None of those things are necessary. If you're willing to invest some time, I mean, literally in a couple of weeks, you can have enough knowledge to understand. It's not even a couple of weeks. You, you, you can't in a few days have enough knowledge to enter into the space, learn the space. You learn by doing. We have Twitter spaces all the time. Again, we have plenty of videos and content because we want to make this as easy and as accessible as possible. That's been part of our our thesis that we have to make sure that it's not hard to get in. That's the reason why we built Disrupt Art. It's an easy way to get NFT. It's an easy way to enter into Web3 and to make sure that you can leverage your community if you're a creator or if you're a fashion brand or if you're an organization. 
Gotcha. Love it. Love it. Rob, based on your experience and your career journey, you definitely have an entrepreneurial spirit. And curious to understand from you, why do you love being a founder? What is it about being an entrepreneur or being a founder that you love? If you don't like how the rules are, you got to write different rules. And you have the opportunity, specifically within Web3, to build new communities, connect new communities. And, and if you're an entrepreneur, you get to shape the world in the way that you see fit, or you get to solve a problem that others don't see. And you don't get to do that in really any other area. It is a very hard life. Don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not <laughs> <been easy. laughs> it hasn't been easy, but it's definitely been rewarding. And I'm a fighter, I'm a disruptor, pun intended, by nature. And so I originally thought the way to disrupt was going to be through politics, through public service. But I believe, and I'm certain now, the better way to do that is through innovation. If we want to have inclusion, there are no superheroes coming. There's no Black Panther. There's no Hulk. There's no Captain America. Superheroes are for the comic books. Nobody's coming to save us. We have to save ourselves. We can't rely on a superhero, but we can create Wakanda. And that requires us to, to build in this moment, to work together in this moment, to collaborate in this moment. So one of our goals is to be a distribution channel, a media company that is decentralized, that is giving more power to individuals, but are providing the platform through Web3 because these media companies are going to do that. Like, this is what's happening. And the fact is we have more opportunity now in this space because it's new, because it's being formed. And we'll always have some opportunity. Like, you have opportunity to be in Web2 to be your own media company, but it's much harder now than it had you done it 10 years ago. I suspect it's going to become harder and harder to do even in Web3. Even now, we started our company, oh, like 15 months ago. And now getting a Web3 developer and build a company will cost at least five times the amount to do to get to where we've gotten now. So I tell people now, get into the space. It's ever expanding. And there's so much you can do because so many people are intimidated and don't want to know the space. But for us, we have no choice but to enter into these new opportunity and spaces because a lot of the other places have been so, it's a lot, it's a lot saturated. hard. Saturated, yeah. right? You yeah. want to enter into real estate, you generally got to have a ton of money. It can be done. It's mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But here, the barrier is much lower. If you can figure out a few thousand dollars and make some connections and build and work hard, all of a sudden, you've seen people like Nyla Hayes, 13-year-old. She's not a Black woman. She's a child. She's made like $8 million. Wow. That normally would not have been possible. Artists that previously struggled are getting great opportunities because they've gone straight into this space and figured out how to learn, how to connect. And they haven't allowed what I think, frankly, is the fear that's been built into us to say, we can't do this. It's too technical. Or we can't do this because someone's going to steal all our money. That fear is really preventing us from opportunity. And my one of my goals is, is to really break down that barrier and to help people make that mind shift that not only should you understand this area, you have to move into this area if you want to expand access and opportunity. You have to move into this area if you care about movie society forward and social impact, because this is the this is an effective tool for doing that. So whatever problem, you, most problems that you see that are connected to community building, that are connected to economics, that are connected to media and creativity, Web3, there is an opportunity to really help solve that problem with the tools we have in Web3. Mm, And I love what you said there in terms of don't let fear stop your opportunities, right? Absolutely. As well. Yeah. Rob, where do you draw inspiration from? So I'm a Christian, so I pray. I also draw inspiration from my parents. They've been a guiding force for me. They've been a great role model. I saw my mother build a, she was a founder too, and she she founded a restaurant. And uh, Mm. (laughs) she got inspiration from her father, which is my great-grandfather, because he was a 
He was an entrepreneur himself. He actually was a chef during the Great Depression. He was pretty old. He's having babies for a long time. That's a whole other story. But anyway, he was a chef during the Great Depression. And there was never a time where they went hungry, even during the Great Depression. So she wasn't alive then, but she drew from that inspiration. And that spirit lives within her and lives within me. Because I still believe our best opportunity lies in us setting our own destiny within entrepreneurship as founders. Mm, mm, Love it. Love it. You mentioned your parents a couple of times and other family members. Obviously, they're heroes and and mentors to you. Any other folks in your life that have been sort of heroes and mentors? And when you think about that as well, too, right, and the sort of help and some of the guidance you received, how are you leveraging that to maybe mentor others that, again, want to get into the NFT space, Web3, so on and so forth? Well, I'd like to go back to a quick story that I tell that I forgot to tell. It's it's related to my mother, but it also informs why I'm so passionate about helping others. So I struggled in school initially. I was diagnosed with ADHD, which is really a learning difference, not a learning disability. Take that and then also combine the combination of culturally incompetent teachers at that time. It really affected my confidence. But luckily, Towards the end of the eighth grade, I just just decided that, look, I was going to go to college and do engineering, do all these things that I had dreamed up and just saw possible. I had this conversation with my eighth grade teacher that I'll never forget. I told her these things and she said, look, Rob, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but college is not meant for everybody. Like, you're not going to be able to do that. Like, you're going to fail. So you shouldn't set yourself up for failure. And I'm like crushed, Mm. right? Mm. But I went back to my mother and had a much better conversation And she said, look, Rob, you never have to be defined by anyone's low or narrow expectations of you. You define yourself for yourself, by yourself. So, I mean, I did have success and we've talked about some things that I've been fortunate enough to accomplish. But I know many others don't have that same access to support that I have. Wasn't poor, wasn't rich, but we weren't poor by any stretch of the imagination. So I had a great infrastructure. I had a great support system. My parents understood how to navigate and instilled in me the confidence to be able to fight back, to be able to reject the common narratives and constructs that are placed upon us specifically because of our skin color. I never accepted that. I never accepted the default. And my goal in life is to make sure that others don't accept that default, that they're empowered. And I think it's particularly important for media, for people to be able to tell the story. That's why we focus a lot on film directors and others and using this platform to help NFTs for crowdfunding and things like that so we can tell these stories. You can yeah. you can also stream and watch the whole movie on our platform. We're doing all this because it's important that the full story gets told, that we understand the full scope of history because we're still understanding it in a way that we need to because we history has obviously been told from a perspective, some of which is partially true, some of which is just completely made up. <laughs> and yeah, people have to, yeah. and we have to, right? And the power of media is they get to tell the stories and the stories get to shape our reality. Right. Even if they're not true. And right. that then affects and infects all of us. Then those stories that are false or those stories that affect our confidence are all ingrained in us and put into our subconscious. My mm-hmm. goal is to make sure that We don't have to do that anymore and that we actually are able to have the power to tell our own stories, to own our own stories, and actually to profit off of our own stories and our content. The power of media is really underestimated. It is still, even in this Web2 world, even in this social media world, media is extremely powerful, extremely influential, and we need to make sure that we are able to have platforms that have a full perspective 
and are not beholden to the default of the system. So, yeah, yeah, no, I love that response, right? And it's generational. The stories that are told and you believe, you know, they get passed down from generation Absolutely. to generation, right? So I love that response. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Fun question that I love asking every guest okay. that we have on the podcast is to give me the top three apps that you use on your phone on a daily basis, but you can't name email or calendar because those are too boring. Uh, so you can't name email or calendar. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Twitter. All uh, right. All right. You can't name Slack because that kind of email. Yeah, that's that's good. Slack's a okay. good one. Slack's yeah, a good Slack. one. Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming I'm assuming you use that at the company. Yes. Yes, yeah. we do. So email Slack, then Telegram. Tell me about Telegram. So Telegram's another way to do instant messenger, but it's more uh-huh. secure. It's more secure. So Telegram is like Facebook, WhatsApp, but it's much more secure and you know, without the interference of Big Brother Facebook. So Twitter, which interesting news, is one of the best way to communicate for NFTs, but also all things in tech. I just recently got back into Twitter, literally since I got into Web3. So for the last like 15 months or so, but it is a very powerful tool. It takes a while, but it does work very well. Yeah. And based on the news today, it looks like they may have a new owner soon. <laughs> yeah, I heard Elon Musk, which is fascinating. I think, uh, I don't know what that entails for Twitter. Could be good, could be bad. But this tells the message of why we need to own platforms. Ownership of actual platforms matter. And what I don't want to see in this space and why we created Disrupt.Art is that we get some individual artists rich, but the ownership is still not with us. Yeah, and we still don't have the platforms, and because there is this false belief I'd like to get to really quick in the mm-hmm. web free space that people believe like, oh, we now have the ability to own everything ourselves, and we do everything ourselves, and that's not true. Like I believe in independence to a point. What really makes economies work is interdependence, mm. right? building ecosystems. That's what an economy mm. is. Mm. An economy is a group of individuals working together in order to promote the economic interests, right? Yeah. So. You know, and I've seen this. So one of the things people do now is some of the creators like, I should create, everybody should have their own smart contracts. And I want to get too technical on this, but, and then they say, we can just own our own things. And what we've seen is, I'm not going to play on anybody's, obviously the news, my looks, we've had people have hacks of their smart contracts because even though you have your own business, it's still like, okay, owning my own business doesn't mean I'm going to own the accounting firm. <laughs> I'm not right. going to own a legal firm. Like at right. some point it's like, all right, Figure out how we can work together in the ecosystem. And this is what we want to do with Disrupt Art, right? Empower these artists and to help them not have to worry about the smart contract or getting hacked. We'll obviously be open with the smart contract, tell you all, be transparent on how it works. But at the end of the day, like unless you're going to hire developers to help you all day, every day, and to make sure you're checking that and you do your own audit, I don't think you should do your own smart contract. This is mm-hmm. a controversial point of view. But I truly believe that, like, because I think you can run into a file. We've seen someone where they had a big project come out the other day, and it was a brother. And um, again, I'm not going to point him out, but he he can't recover over $30 million. Like, nobody can. Wow. It's in, wow. A, tra- it's in a trap node somewhere that no one can ever get, but it's there. Wow. And so these are the things, like, you got to just be aware of, right, that yeah. that's happening in this space. and. And we have to figure out ways. Well, how can we work together? Because I still see sometimes us wanting to figure out, well, let me just create my own new NFT marketplace again. And that's like trying to be a developer of a new land and try to do new stuff. Maybe you can, but like what we should do is figure out what is out there and how can we leverage on that to build 
fortunes together. That's what I hope we can do. Yeah, because what you're describing there is a modern day treasure, right? That no one can get to, right? So don't create modern day treasures. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, wow. Wow. Well, Rob, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. For anyone out there that's listening that wants to reach out to you, continue the conversation, learn more, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Just go to Disrupt Art, look up Disrupt.Art on Twitter. We'd love for you to go to the platform and sign up as a collector. We have a lot of great creators that we want you to see. And if you're going to show a clip of here, I'll even like to show some. No, I can't. All right. I mean, go to Disrupt.Art. It's mm-hmm. a second. Log in, create a profile, connect your wallet. I promise it takes less than a minute or two. And then you could go on and see some great creators all across the world, most of which are Black, highly talented that have great art that I believe is going to be, this is not financial advice, but I believe it's going to be worth a lot in the coming years. Wow. Okay. Thank you. There you have it, everyone. So please do check out Disrupt Art and see what's going on there. Learn more about NFTs and Web 3.0. And everyone out there, thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. And you can find more episodes of the podcast where you find all your audio and video. Just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Thanks again, Rob. Thank you.